Hi, I'm Ashley Mulink, and welcome to our podcast series, Catechism and Sacraments. Today's episode will provide some insight and thoughts on question number five. This is the second episode we've done on this particular question, and today on our panel, we have Kathy Davis, Angela Ayers, and Andrew Morton. So the fifth question in the New City Catechism is, what else did God create? And the answer is, God created all things by his powerful word, and all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. The Bible passage this question and answer is based off of is Genesis 131, which says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The last part of the answer says, Everything flourished under his loving rule. So what does this say about our God? And what does this mean about us as his creation? Kathy, we'll start with you. Okay. So, I mean, I was starting to get into this, that a thing that's working as it should is a thing that's flourishing. And, you know, I don't think that God wanted anything less than joy out of the creation that he made. It's, it's not something like, okay, I'm a star. I guess I have to shine today. But, oh, hey, cool. I'm a star. I get to do this awesome thing by shining today. Y- you know, the way that creation is so varied and the way that we're all so different from each other, it just seems unlikely to me that God would make this many different and unique and interesting things, if not for some joyful reason. Um, So I think it's important that God tells us his creation stories that we know what flourishing is. And we know that we had it on that seventh day of creation, right? God said it's very Mm -hmm. good. And he took a rest. That's where he wanted us to be every day after the seventh day too. But it was when we started questioning whether thing, the way things were was really the way they should be, whether this life that God gave us is really the flourishing one, that things started to fall apart. And I think that's important, too. Our, our creator, God, actually let us ask that question, and he let us find out what happened. And we know that didn't go well. We know there was a huge cost, right? It cost Jesus his life to redeem that, to put that yoke back in the shell and to put the white back in. But somehow God thought that letting us screw up colossally was more important than never letting us ask those questions and find out the consequences. That somehow screwing up was part of learning how to flourish because he knew that was going to be part of all of our lives after Eden and after the fall. I don't understand that. I mean, again, maybe not the way I would have set things up, but I'm not God and I don't get to discount that either. Yeah, that provides quite the image again for how we're called to parent too. I mean, if we think about, um, Andrew, I love the point you made about if God is a creator, then we are also called to be creators. And in this same instance, if he shows us how he parented us when we were asking questions, how do we then, how are we called to parent and to lead our children when they're asking questions or, or messing up? So, um, oof, that's, yeah, that's a tough one, tough thing to swallow. Um, all right, Angela, what do you think about this question? I just love the loving rule part Mm -hmm. of that answer. Um, to me, it means that God has not left me alone to figure out life and that his arms enfold me, they protect me, um, and also that he's guiding and leading me. He wants me to flourish. He's for me, not against me. Does he sometimes lovingly correct me and convict me of sin, even withholding what I think is good for myself, but he knows is not? I know that he does. My life experiences tell me that this is true. But he's always been faithful. 
as his creation, we can rest and not strive, trust and not worry, believe and not doubt. He loves perfectly because that's his character. Yeah, that was kind of the phrase from this that stood out the most to me as well, the, the loving rule piece. Um, I think so often we we miss these key words about who, what the character of God is. And yeah, I, I loved that one. All right, Pastor Andrew. Yeah, thanks for asking these questions, Ashley, because we don't often stop and really think about God's loving rule as being a, a, an important part of, of who he expresses who he is uh, in our lives than creation. Uh, but when I, when I think about this, there are three things that come to my mind here. Uh, first is that God's vision for his creation always has been and always will be a vision of flourishing. Uh, so, Kathy, I love how you've been dropping the Hebrew words. It brings me all the way back to my seminary classes. So um, it, that same spirit, I'm going to bring in a Hebrew word, which is in some ways very similar to the concept of tov that you mentioned, and that's the the concept of shalom. Sure. And uh, I'll drop another quote from Cornelius Plantinga, who describes shalom as a universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, all under the arc of God's love. And Plantinga says that we could also sum up the idea of shalom as simply the way that things are supposed to be. So, so that's what God wants for us. That's what God is committed to restoring for all of creation in Christ. I think that the second thing that this shows us is that it's important to realize that this shalom, this flourishing is really only found under God's rule. Uh, we, we like to think that we can kind of manufacture our own version of it in other ways and in other places, uh, but that will always come up short. Uh, when we rebel against God and depart from his ways, we end up working against shalom. So if we're going to experience the kind of flourishing that we were made for, we, we need to know God and we need to walk in his ways. We need to obey him. So if, if we try to separate out God's goodness from his moral and ethical claims over our lives, we're going to end up missing a part of the fullness that comes from knowing God and from living under his rule, the way that he lovingly intended for us to do. And then third, as image bearers and vice regents who are called to rule over creation in God's name and in God's ways, God's purpose of shalom ought to be our purpose too in all of life. To love God and to love our neighbor means that we commit ourselves to pursuing the flourishing and the wholeness of those around us. And so if we don't care about the flourishing of our neighbor, then that's probably a sign that we don't actually care that much about God or about his purpose for the world that he has made. That's really convicting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, in, in like a really good, beautiful way, but man, that one, that one hits hard. I think it's easy for us to, um, you know, especially in this day and age with the internet to just get locked into our echo chamber, our um, stream of consciousness or whatever you want to call it. And um, I think we can lose sight of caring about the people around us, even if we see things differently. So thank you. All right. So the final question on this one, Ooh, this has been a do this has been a whole doozy. The whole episode is just so good. Um, all right. So we always ask this question. 
how can we apply this question and answer this Bible passage, all of these things to our lives or to the lives of our children? And Angela, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, as a parent, I want my children to see the vastness of all that God has created. Mm. Dan and I believe that the best vacations were spent visiting parks and taking time to hike. And I know all three of you enjoy that with your families as well. Yep. And we used that time. We were intentional about it, um, talking about creation. We would thank God uh, out loud together for the opportunity to enjoy the beauty of nature. Yeah. Uh, teaching your children to notice small details, such as a single drop of rain, a snowflake, a leaf, seeds, and even a grain of sand should not be diminished. Use those moments to share that if God would take care of each of these things that came from his hand, small though they are, they have a purpose, and that mm -hmm. purpose is to glorify him. I also think it's good to talk about hurricanes and scary thunderstorms and earthquakes and other natural disasters. Kids need to know that when sin entered the world, a holy God could not look on it. There are consequences to the choices that we make, and ultimately the consequence of sin is death. But as long as God gives us breath, he's given us his creation to enjoy and to take care of. This is obedience to God. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, so my, my husband is a huge space person. I mean, like, like I can't even begin to explain to you how much the man loves space. Um, so one of his favorite things to do with our oldest daughter is to take her down to his computer in our basement um, and show her the sizes of all of our planets and our star. And then the next biggest star and the next biggest star and the next biggest star and then black holes. And she is so concerned about black holes. Like She's so, and she's five. She is so concerned and she's very concerned about the red storm on Jupiter. Um, but you know, it, we, we come back to the exact same conversation that God made all of these things. Um, and what does that say about him? So totally agree with you. It's so powerful. I think to use those tangible pieces of creation around them to point them to who God is. All right. Pastor Andrew. Yeah. Well, Angela, that's that's really good. And that that reminds me how teaching our kids about creation really sets them up to uh, to experience the reality of the gospel uh, to. To touch in a way that they can relate to evidence of the goodness of God and also see evidence of what has been lost because of our sin and uh, and for them to in their own way lament what has been broken through the fall and, and to hope uh, even in a childlike way for the redemption that God is going to bring, not just to our lives, but, but to the entire world that he has made. Um, so what, what a tangible, powerful way to be able to teach kids that. Um, and in response to the question, Ashley, I think I'm in a rut thinking in threes today. So whether, whether that's just good Trinitarian thinking on my part or just a lack of creativity, I'll, I'll let our listeners be the judge of that. Uh, but, but for me, here are three quick application points that I see from this catechism for, for how I personally can teach my kids. Um, and then first, as, as a parent, uh, this tells me that it's important for me to teach my sons to love and to value God's creation. Uh, and Angela, you just talked about some really amazing ways to do that. So thank you. Uh, second, this question shows me that it's important for me as a father to teach my sons um, to appreciate and to celebrate the goodness of the things that God has made for them to 
eagerly and with delight engage with the world and to encounter the goodness of God in the goodness of all the things that he has surrounded us with and blessed us with and for that to point them back to him and worship. And then third, this shows me that it's important for me to teach my sons that our job description as human beings is to participate with God in governing and shaping his world in a way that advances flourishing. And so this means in all things, living for God, living for others, and, and helping to, to nudge you know, the things that we have influence and control over, help, helping to, to nudge those things at least a little closer in God's good earth to uh, the way that things are supposed to be. And, and so I think if I can teach my boys those three things, then that's a really positive outworking of the Christian doctrine of creation. And so maybe some of our astute listeners are thinking, well, Andrew, there's a lot you haven't talked about that's really important. You haven't talked about church. You haven't talked about the Great Commission, making disciples and astute listeners. You're absolutely right. Those are important things. Um, and, and those are things that uh, that draw us into Christ's story of redemption. But I think the doctrine of creation has to teach us first, what does it mean to be human? Because once we understand what it means to be human, now we can start talking about what does it mean to be a fallen human? And now what does it mean to be a redeemed fallen human and to participate with Christ in that great commission to spread the good news and to proclaim his new creation? But I, I, I think it's really easy for us to jump to those parts of the story and to lose sight of just the foundational building blocks of who is God, what is the nature of the things he has made, what did he create us as a human race to do and to be mm. originally. So I, I think that there's a lot there that I can even help to teach and model for my kids. And in so doing, I can learn those things and get better at them myself, hopefully. Good. All right, Kathy, we'll let you wrap it up for us today. All right. So, you know, I think this idea of good and not good and tov and tohu vavohu and shalom, it's important for them and for us. So, I mean, kids are a lot of things. Uh, they're not stupid. <laughs> they are constantly taking in information. They're constantly holding up these new pieces of information and trying to fit them into what they already have. And their radar is really, really good. They're, they're going to be awesome at picking out inconsistencies in what we say and what they've picked up so far. And many of them will call you on it. So, you know, as they're growing up, they're, they're understanding as they're doing this and they're filtering that there are things about the world right now that are not good. So we, we can say all we want that creation was good and they're going to come back and be like, excuse me? What about this? What about that? And so, you know important for us to say no things aren't completely good now they are and they aren't i should say they were completely good once because god was completely in charge one day god's going to be completely in charge again and things are going to be completely good again but mm. we're in this messy middle space and in this space god's chosen to give us the freedom to either recognize that he's in charge and to work with that as andrew's talked about or not to recognize that we can either become part of God's kingdom where we work for what's good and what's flourishing, or we cannot. That's where God has put us right now. And so training ourselves and training our kids to look for what pleases God and what we're saying and doing, and then to go do it, which is the hard part, that's the way that we apply this. God wants us to use his word to work for 
shalom, not to be tohu v'rohu, but to be tov, to fulfill the purpose that he created us for. And that's the most hopeful thing that we can ask for in the face of a really messed up world where a lot of times it feels like there isn't much to hope for. Thank you. Ah, so good. Panel, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I feel like we're not necessarily ending this on in a pretty neat bow, but that's okay. It's good. They're good things to think about and to process through. Um, so for those of you listening, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to drop them in the comment section below or contact us at the church office.